Well, I know that many of you thought this night would never come, but it has. And that is, um, we. this will be kind of the final edition, the final episode of this thing that we really started back in, um, in January, uh, having to do with uh, the, 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 the living out of one's Christian life, uh, trying to avoid legalism on one end of the spectrum and, and um, antinomianism on the other. And then we spent a couple of weeks talking about um, the third option, which is defining grace. And I used uh, Colossians chapter 1 to give you a definition of grace. Tonight, what I want to do is go back to the text where we begin. Well, actually, it's not really the one where we began. We began in Romans 14. But uh, when we turned the corner of the year, I took you to Mark chapter 7. And when I, when I introduced you to Mark chapter 7, I did not read to you the whole chapter. Um, I read to you only a, a portion of the chapter um, down to through verse 13. So I, I want to read you the rest of, uh, of Mark chapter 7 and make some comments about it tonight. Because in, in my opinion, it is the real point. It, it's, it's Jesus' point. This is the point of what he's doing. His, his point is not so much to attack the, the Pharisees. This is his point. And uh, beginning at verse 14 of Mark 7, I'll read to uh, verse 23. And he called the people to him again and said to them, Hear me, all of you, and understand. There is nothing outside a person that by going into him can defile him. But the things that come out of a person are what defile him. And when he had entered the house and left the people, his disciples asked him about the parable. And he said to them, Then are you also without understanding? Do you not see that whatever goes into a person from outside cannot defile him, since it enters not his heart, but his stomach and is expelled? Thus he declared all foods clean. And he said, what comes out of a person is what defiles him. For from within, out of the heart of man, come evil thoughts, Sexual immorality, theft, murder, adultery, coveting, wickedness, deceit, sensuality, envy, slander, pride, foolishness. All these evil things come from within, and they defile a person. In the first 13 verses of uh, uh, Mark chapter 7, after Jesus has spent a a, a little while, um, oh, uh, condemning the Pharisees for their legalistic foolishness, he then comes to make his point. His point, as I said, I think is... Verses 14 through 23. And, and, and the point is, ladies and gentlemen, the inside out nature of Christian living. The inside out. Not the outside in. The, the point is, all this stuff that the Pharisees were doing is just such 
foolishness because what it's doing is addressing, you know, stuff on the outside. Jesus says, that ain't the issue. His point is, the, the, the issue is the heart. It has to do with an inside out, not an, Christianity is an inside out religion. The issue is the heart. And you can't clean the heart from the outside in. Um, it's got to be cleaned a different way, which we'll, we'll close with tonight. But if you understand that, if you understand the outside in, I mean, the, in the inside out, nature of Christianity, that when it comes to holy living, your strategy will be completely different. Now, guys, I want to play you something. Um, I'm only going to play it about four minutes of it. it it's a five minutes and two seconds long, I think. But, uh, you know, guys, I'm, I'm way beyond trying to be cute. Um, you know... I, I tried that for 63 years and failed miserably. So I decided in the last stage of my life that I'll just give up trying to be cute. So this is not intended to be cute. But it is intended for this purpose. I want you to hear what I think is a very fair and a very good summary of the world in which you live and how they believe morality is to be achieved. Do you hear me? This is a strategy. I just, I said a moment ago, if you get the inside out nature of Christianity, then your strategy will be different. We're going to talk about our strategy in a minute. But I want you to hear four minutes of the other strategy. Are you ready? Aaron? Loud. I'm gonna make a change for once in my life. It's gonna feel real good. Gonna make a difference. Gonna make it right. And as I turn up.
comes again. a better place, take a look at yourself and then make that change. No message could be any clearer. If you want to make the world a better place, take a look at yourself and make that change. clear. If you want to make the world a better place, then, um, then take a look at yourself in the mirror and then you say, I got to make some changes. Now, let me ask you a question, ladies and gentlemen. How's that working? Let me ask you a question. How did it work for the artist? Gang, um, it's a strategy. It's a strategy that the world says, here, here's how we'll fix this. Let's march. Let's all lock arms and make some nice posters and occupy Wall Street. And you saw what that led to. Five self-proclaimed anarchists are going to blow up a bridge in Cleveland. And uh, then the people being killed in the Occupy camps around the country. Because we're going to make some change! It is utter insanity, ladies and gentlemen. That's the culture that you find yourself in. You know, um, one of the examples I love to use is the myth of school board. Um... I'm not weighing into the political dilemma that the suburbs face. What I'm talking about is we got violence on the campuses. So here's how we're going to fix it. We're going to put gun detectors. We're going to put metal detectors at the entrances. Tell me, ladies and gentlemen, do you think that fixes it? Now, does it maybe lower the amount of shooting on the school campus? Well, yeah, I would hope so. I mean, I would think some benefit would come out of it you know you'd spot a gun but of course somebody just snuck on with uh, oh that was in that was in afghanistan they had the guns in their shoes 
guys, none of that works. It's not going to work. The Republicans are not going to save you. The Democrats are not going to save you. Neither one of them have any solutions that add up to a hill of beans because the issue is the heart. And that doesn't get fixed from the outside in. And that is the Lord Jesus' point in Mark chapter 7, verses 14 through 23. It is simple truth. It is simple wisdom that is ignored by 99.7% of your culture. Because their strategy is, take a look at yourself, make a change. It's nonsense. It's just, it's never going to work, ladies and gentlemen. Because the issue is not changing me from, I'll never change from the outside in. What's going to have to change is something from the inside out. You know, guys, um, gosh, Jesus often uses the image of a tree. He, he, he does it a couple places. He does it in, in Matthew chapter 7, and he does it in Luke 6. But the briefer one is in Luke 6. And, and, and I'm going to read this just real hurriedly. It's 43 through 45, but where he says, For no good tree bears bad fruit, nor, again, does a bad tree bear good fruit. For each tree is known by its own fruit. Now, guys, that's not rocket science right there, and you don't need a theological education to figure that out. Do you understand what he says? He simply says, based on the insides of the tree, it determines the kind of fruit that's produced. <laughs> he says it a lot. I mean, um, I mean, he says it over and over again. Oh, my goodness. Um, uh, for figs are not gathered from thorn bushes, nor are grapes uh, picked from bramble bush. The good person out of the good treasure of his heart produces good, and the evil person out of the evil treasure produces evil. For out of the abundance of the heart his mouth speaks. You know, guys, I was raised in a locker room. I mean, when, as soon as I could get into a locker room, I was raised in a locker room. I mean, I played, uh, you know, I played, I played baseball, football, basketball, ran track. I was in locker rooms from August 15th when school started until uh, May the 27th when we got out. And then sometimes in the summer I was in locker rooms. And do you know what you tend to hear in locker rooms? You tend to hear some language that is not particularly savory. And um, and now it just it tickles me when I'm working out at the Germantown Community Center and somebody who happens to know that I'm a I'm a preacher. Uh, you know, lets one some some kind of epithet fly, and then they say, oh, "Oh, oh, oh, I'm so sorry, I'm so sorry. Oh, that's just terrible. Y'all can't knock it off. It's a preacher here." And and I want to say, Bubba, Bubba, l- l- let me just say this. Um, not only have I heard those words, I've used those words. Uh, some of them I still use. <laughs> um, uh, I, I used to, I mean, did I ever tell you the story about playing basketball one time? And um, we were in this gym. It was in the ninth grade. It was ninth grade basketball. And um, we were in a gym. There was, not, there was probably 20 people there who were spectators, and two of them being my parents. 
And I went up for a rebound, and this guy elbowed me in the eye. And, 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 and it hurt. And I let something fly out of my mouth that I'm telling you, ladies and gentlemen, they could have heard it in Kentucky. And my mother was up there, there's my, there's my boy down there. Yeah, so proud of him. Look at him. Ah! <laughs> because, and my point is this, guys. Do you think that stuff surprises me? Uh-uh. But what it does do is that it opens up a window so that we can see what's in your heart. Do you think that telling your kids, don't use those swear words, do you think that produces anything? Well, probably less embarrassment for moms and dads. But it doesn't change anything, ladies and gentlemen. Fruit, what comes out, what hangs on the limbs, is determined by the tree, the insides of it. The kind of produce is determined by the health or the illness of the tree. Or, let me put it differently, the type of behavior that we produce as believers is determined by the health or the illness of your heart. Guys, just in a cursory reading of that list of things that Jesus has there in Mark chapter 7, let me just, let me just read the ones that we're probably comfortable with. Um, evil thoughts. That's sexual immorality. We don't do that. We don't, we don't steal. The murder. We don't do adultery. Oh, no, no, no. Coveting. Wickedness. Deceit. Sensuality. Envy. Slander. Pride. Foolishness. You know where that stuff is, ladies and gentlemen? It's in my heart. That's where it is. You know, this time of year, parents are all nervous about, you know, we got 27 graduating seniors in this church, I think, something like that. Um, and, and parents are all nervous about their little darlings headed off to college. Oh, I'm just, it's just it's such a wicked place, those colleges. Let me tell you what, ladies and gentlemen, the college ain't the problem. College is simply the place where your heart's child will be exposed and revealed. You, you've, you've had them contained so that they're somewhat fenced in. And when, you get, when they get away, college didn't do that. College was just the, the occasion, the place where the where, where what was on the heart got revealed so everybody could see it because they've been kind of holding it in because of you. You know, Susie and I, um, you know, raised three girls. We sent three girls off to college, and I'm telling you the truth. We always said, 
the whole issue, and this is the term that we used to use, is if there's a principle within, all will be well. If there's no principle within, nothing can stop it. Nothing. You send them to a Christian college? You think there's no sin over there? You think there's no drugs on the Christian campus? You think there's no extramarital sex? Come on. And if there's no principle within, guys, they'll find it. Folks, the New Testament teaches that the, that the human heart is ruled by someone or something. Um, where your treasure is, there will your heart be also. But where your heart is, is where your treasure is too. Um, whatever that treasure is controls the heart and thus one's behavior. So guys, lasting change is not brought about by looking myself in the mirror and splashing water in my face and saying I am invincible. Lasting change comes through the change of one's heart. But how do you access the heart? Um... You know, I used to tell the story, I've told it here before, and it, it, it just illustrates my point. It's kind of a goofy story, but, you know, when I, we lived in Florida, I so longed to have a grapefruit tree. I wanted to pick, I mean, I, I remember going to people's houses, and they had, you know, oh, you want a grapefruit? Well, let me go get you one, and they just snagged, you know, and, and I, I wanted a grapefruit tree, and I tried three or four times to, to have a grapefruit tree, and, and I, I got one that was really looking good, and it had a little piece of fruit on it about that big, and we went off for a vacation and came back, and it was shriveled and dead and I was just sick so here's what I did I went to Publix and I bought some and then I got myself some masking tape and and a staple gun and I just all over that thing and I had myself a grapefruit tree didn't I of course not ladies and gentlemen stapling some fruit on the branches doesn't change the tree but I want you to know something most ministry particularly among youth, is just like that. Just trying to staple on some good stuff on the outside. I had a kid, and, and Susie can vouch for this. We had a young woman who was in our grace group, and she told us that she was raised in a certain church here in town, and they had three rules. Three rules in the church, in the, in the youth group. Here's what they were. Number one, no sex. Number two, no sex. Guess what number three was? No sex. Guys, I'm not trying to promote illicit behavior, but I'm simply saying, do you think that's going to stop anybody? Just say no. Do you know what the, what, the, what the stats are about those purity contracts that people sign? If you don't, I've got a book. I'll show it to you. You know what they produced? Mm-hmm. Because, guys, it's the wrong strategy. Um, So then, what's the right strategy? Um, Gang, 
God changes us by recapturing the heart. I brought a sermon with me, and we studied the sermon um, in the staff. And and I you know you, I think you can go online and find it, but um, but it's an excellent sermon. I mean, it's very lengthy. If you think I preach long, this is probably an hour and forty five minutes. Um, but it's um, it was per- first preached by Thomas Chalmers, and if you don't if you don't hear anything else I say, you might want to take down the title. The title, just the title. The title is The Expulsive Power of a New Affection. Is that not clear? The expulsive power of a new affection. You know, when, when Susie and I lived over on uh, right off of Hacks Cross before we moved out here, uh, we had several trees, and, and I hate to rake leaves, and I'm, I'm getting way too old to rake leaves, I'm, I'm telling you. But, um, you know, I'd, I'd rake all the leaves, but, but there was this one tree. And I don't know what you call it, some kind of oak tree, water oak, pin oak, what, some kind of oak tree, that it would never, it would never, the, the leaves stayed on it all winter long. These brown old ugly things that looked like it was dead and yada, yada, yada. And so, you know, I'd get all the tree, the, the leaves raked up, and there's that one tree still holding on to its old dead leaves. And the only thing that brought about... Getting rid of those leaves was some kind of life in the spring that began to pulsate from within. And once it did, all those leaves just... Because there was an expulsive power to a new affection. I remember as a kid, um, I had some friends, and they asked uh, me to go with them horseback riding one Sunday afternoon. And I couldn't have been over six. I don't know that I've been on too many horses in my life, but... And so we went out to this place, and gosh, it was in Mississippi someplace. They have horses there. Um, but we, we went to this place and rented a horse. Well, you can imagine what they were renting. I mean, these were, these were ready for the glue factory, ladies and gentlemen. And, and these, were, these were old horses, and I'm a six-year-old, and, and, um, and I, you know, I, I guess I should have been glad. But, so they put you on this little trail. And this horse has probably done this trail 4,744 times. And so they put you on the trail and they say, off you go. And so I'm, you know, come on, horse, come on. <laughs> and this horse, bleep, 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 you know, right on the trail, right on the trail. And, and at one point in the, in the ride, we turned a corner and this horse got a glimpse of the stables. And I'm telling you, and I, I was just holding over dear life because there was a new affection. And it produced different behavior. Guys, I, I want to read you. I'm just, I, I know you're not going to be able to get a lot of this. It's just one paragraph, but it's a fairly lengthy paragraph. But I, I wish I could read more. But I, I mean, if, if you'll just gird up the loins of your mind, it, it'll be worth it. He opens his sermon like this. There are two ways in which a practical moralist may attempt to displace from the human heart its love of the world. Either by a demonstration of the world's vanity, so as that the heart shall be prevailed upon simply to withdraw its regard from an object that is not worthy of it, or 
by setting forth another object, even God, as more worthy of its attachment. So as that the heart shall be prevailed upon, not to resign an old affection which shall have nothing to succeed it, but to exchange an old affection for a new one. My purpose is to show that from the constitution of our nature, the former method is altogether incompetent and ineffectual, and that the latter method will alone suffice for the rescue and recovery of the heart from the wrong affection that domineers it. After having accomplished this purpose, I shall attempt a few practical observations. Do you understand what he said? There's a couple of ways to do it. You can, you can tell people how ugly the, the world is, or you can tell them how beautiful God is. And he says, that first one won't work. But the second one will. Guys, one of the ways we change the heart is by a growing appreciation of the beauty of the gospel. Let me um, let me try to illustrate. Um, I'll just use me for example. Um, uh, I lived for the first twenty-two years of my life uh, as a pagan. Um, you know, I um, you know, baseball and girls and parties were very important to me back here, and then. I married Susie, and, and we moved to Fort Lauderdale, and then somebody, by God's great kindness, told me about Jesus Christ, and that there was a gift of eternal life that he wanted to give to people like me. And in September of 1970, I received the gift of eternal life. Now, from there, I've gone on to live for 44 more years. But I heard about Christ back here in... September of 70. So now what do I need to hear about? I need to keep hearing about it. And keep hearing about it. And keep hearing about it. Until my appreciation for the beauty of the gospel in Christ Jesus is enhanced. The way that the heart changes, ladies and gentlemen, is when I become ravished by the beauty of the gospel, the beauty of the provisions of Jesus Christ for somebody as wicked as I am. That's why Christians need to hear the gospel over and over and over again. You mean that even... I mean, mean, that... More and more as I grow accustomed to the provisions that are mine, the fact that I'm in union with Christ, that all my sin, that my, that my failings don't boot me out of the kingdom, all of these wonderful mercies of God, the more I traffic in and feed upon the beauties of the gospel, There is an expulsive power to that new affection. To stand in front of you and say, Stop doing that! 
won't help you. But what will help you is to tell you how beautiful is the Lord Jesus. you want to address this stuff, ladies and gentlemen. Give up your rules and go find out the beauty of the gospel. There's a whole lot more accomplished in praying than in standing in front of the mirror rebuking yourself for the needed change that you see. Because you see, the real problem, with all due respect to Michael Jackson, is not my outsides. My problem is my insides. And it's yours too. Heavenly Father, uh, would you remind us of uh, these great fundamental truths so that we might adopt the right strategy in trying to tame um, the wild and restless human heart. And Father... um, when we read that list in Mark 7, we discover that in the best of us, there is still so much of that stuff in us. So would you, by the power of the Holy Spirit, give us greater and more frequent glimpses of the beauty of Christ and his gospel? And would you use that to remake and redirect and to reform the center of our being? And we commit ourselves to that in Jesus' name. Amen.